Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. All right, welcome everyone back to another edition of New Books in Education. This is your host, Ryan Allen, and today I'm excited to bring a book that I think is a very personal journey for uh, the author, but then also very important for, I think, people who are interested in in education, identity, um, sort of uh, immigration boundaries. There's there's a whole bunch of stuff to to unpack in this book, and I think a lot of people are going to be interested um, in our author's story today. So today I'm excited to bring on Dr. Katerina Uh, She is the Associate Professor of Education, Department of Education Policy Studies in the College of Education at Penn State University. And I'm excited to bring her book, Across Three Continents, Reflections on Immigration, Education, and Personal Survival. And this is published by Peter Lang Publishing, 2015, from the American Studies University Series. Uh, uh, Katerina, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, if we could, you, you, this is a, a very personal uh, uh, book for you. Uh, this is your, essentially your life story, although you're, you're also a sociologist and an educator as well. So you sort of weave those things in there. But if we could, maybe, um, you know, what, what got you to, to start writing this book or what were you thinking about? Um, I know you have an, an anecdote in the book with, with your son. Can you kind of talk about uh, some of those things? Absolutely. Um, so just a brief biographical uh, sort of fact, right? I sure. was born in, in Moscow in Soviet Union and I went through school there. And I also started my undergraduate education in the Institute of Economics and Statistics. And then uh, Soviet Union collapsed. Uh, soon after that, I uh, left the country. And for the next 10 years, I lived in Israel. I got my um, undergraduate degree in sociology and also master's in sociology from Hebrew University of Jerusalem. And then my desire to get my PhD in sociology brought me to the United States. Um, So I had this personally firsthand experience in three very different educational systems in three very different uh, contexts, politically, economically, culturally, you name it. And um, for all those years, I probably used some of this experience and definitely um, uh, in my classes, bringing examples uh, from Russia, from Soviet Union times, um, from Soviet times, uh, from Israel. And, and, And it was just sort of the the part of who I am, right? And then uh, at one bright day, um, out of nowhere, um, my, my kid at the time, he was 13, he just comes in and, and said, Mom, why don't you write a book? And my husband and I, we were in, in the kitchen kind of, you know, looking at him and, you know, 13 years old, we are not necessarily very sentimental and, and <laughs> can't really appreciate for the most part uh, the whole complexity of the parents' double sure. immigrant experience. And I, I kind of looking at him and why, why do you think that, right? And he says, Mom, you have an interesting story. And what parent doesn't want to hear that, right, uh, from, from the 13-year-old? Um, 
and and quite frankly, I had those ideas before, but I kind of pushed them aside because, oh, come on, you know, me writing a memoir, who's going to read it? Who's going to publish it? Uh, what the point? But of course, when your kid is talking, you're listening. And, and I still, you know, I, I kind of had this idea. I was very excited and, and I had sort of all the reason and all the material inside of me, just, just talking about it, having this sociological lenses, working in the field of education, having those experiences. But it still took me about six months to convince myself. And, 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 and I kept it a secret for, for the, um, until probably the first draft was finished, only very few people knew that I'm doing that. Um, but then it was out and, and, you know, the rest is sort of, we'll see where it will take me. Sure. Fantastic. I think that's, that's a, a lot of praise right there from a 13 year old boy, uh, your child who usually isn't that interested in maybe anything his parents are doing. So that's fantastic. That's, that's great. High praise right there. Um, um, so if we could, maybe let's kind of jump into it. You kind of open up with your, uh, family history a little bit. Um, and, and you also in dedication to, to, uh, I believe your, your grandmother as well. Um, right. Would you mind maybe getting into that a little bit? Right. So I, uh, my family on both sides is Jewish uh, because I was born in Soviet times where any kind of religion was, uh, essentially suppressed by the state. Um, Soviet state was, uh, anti-Semitic um, in the very profound way. There were quotes, uh, how many Jews you can accept at a certain university or could Jews even hold certain positions. Uh, I was blissfully unaware of most of it for the most of my time in, in, in Russia uh, because my family was essentially this your typical Soviet family, your typical middle-class Soviet family. And I'm saying it with a huge grain of sarcasm, right? Because when you say middle class in Soviet Union, it doesn't mean nearly the same thing that it means in the West. Um, but my um, grandparents essentially moved from, um, right after the revolution, they moved from um, uh, places in, in Ukraine um, and Belarus, it's on my mother's side, uh, uh, where Jews were allowed to uh, to reside, uh, to uh, St. Petersburg, uh, Leningrad, uh, and, and Moscow, respectively, in order to get uh, the education. And so I'm in this very interesting situation. I'm essentially a third-generation woman in my family with higher education, which is not very typical, right? So the Soviet, the Communist Revolution kind of opened the doors uh, for women and for minorities, and, and, and definitely um, uh, many people um, to use this opportunity. And so uh, most of the history, so most of the time I lived in, in Russia, I kind of knew that I was Jewish, but didn't mean much. Uh, so I had a very Jewish uh, last name, Steinfeld. Uh, Budovsky is my husband's name. Um, and and um, uh, that, that wasn't a topic of conversation. Essentially, uh, only coming to Israel, I, I realized the, the, the magnitude of things I didn't know. Um, and that would include uh, Holocaust. Uh, Soviet uh, history textbooks spend a lot of time on World War II, right? It's, it's a great patriotic war. It's, it's a huge part of Soviet history. Yet the Holocaust was never mentioned once because uh, Jews were never singled out being uh, um, a specific kind of targeted victim of Nazis. And um, I didn't know a lot of things in, in it, it, it sort of ama amazing ignorance given my, my Jewish background, and it's unclear whether my um, 
parents and grandparents just wanted to shield me from that or they didn't want to talk about it because um, my paternal grandparents uh, were actually coming of age and, and had the kind of professional life during the um, a case that didn't come to fruition. It's the case of the doctors was another ethnic cleansing uh, uh, case in in, uh, um, in plans for, for Stalin. Uh, luckily, he died in 1953, so he didn't really uh, get to the magnitude it got with other uh, ethnic groups, but they got a message of, of fear, of inferiority, of marginalization. And so uh, because we lived in Moscow, and Moscow is a very large city, um, it wasn't kind of an issue. And so my personal school experience or friends experience, I never experienced anti-Semitism in, 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 in Soviet Union, but only coming to Israel, looking back at my uh, uh, family experience, including how my dad wasn't accepted in particular university because he was clearly told that with his last name, he just shouldn't come to the sword exam. Um, and, and later on, my uncle confirmed a similar story, but it was year, decades later, essentially, nobody talked about it at the time. So uh, my story, on the one hand, is very Jewish because I just have to be, uh, it just happened to be on both sides of the family, but it was, uh, my Jewish experience also was very different in, 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 in Soviet Union while I lived there and then in Israel and then in the United States. So that's yet another narrative in, in, in the book. Right, right. Well, well, I think if we could, if we could talk a little bit about the, you know, it, you kind of talked about a little bit that like maybe your father was feeling uh, some of these, some of these pressures. Um, but maybe what was fueling sort of um, the uh, uh, departure that you end up leaving? Um, and, it, and if you could maybe talk about the memories of sort of your understanding or conception uh, of, of, of having to leave or, or feelings that, you know, you're leaving, this is your home, this is the only place you sort of know, especially since you um, have already said you didn't feel sort of anti-sentimism as, as, as you mentioned. <laughs> I think sort of my experience um, personal have, has been uh, pretty ignorant uh, on, on that side, but um, I finished high school in 1990 and um, I was in, in my first year of college, essentially, uh, when the uh, second year in college, I'm sorry, when the Soviet Union collapsed and uh, all of a sudden that was sort of a very different um situation to face because uh, in Soviet times, the government prescribed jobs and essentially uh, people who were uh, graduating from universities were guaranteed a job. Um, that sounds like a great idea in, in the sort of uncertainty of, of a capitalist economy, but again, any guarantee comes with the price and the price is usually the price of choice and freedom of choice, which was absolutely absent there because you were assigned a job that you had to hold for a, a, a certain a certain number of years. Um, and, and so the life for the Soviet generations was prescribed in, 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 a, in, a, in a way. Uh, people would finish university, get married somewhere around that time or right after that, get the job, probably will stay there for life. And if they're lucky, they will receive the apartment or some kind of housing from the, uh, from the employer because Soviet Union also did not have private property. Um, uh, and so people couldn't buy, uh, couldn't purchase apartments, couldn't sell apartments. Uh, it was only uh, either given by the state, or the employer, but essentially the state, or they have to exchange it somehow. And in later years, this, the other ways were introduced, but it's still not the market economy we know it today. 
And so, uh, but that's sort of the, the, the fact, but the, the texture of the time, right? So the, the, the feeling was that everything is going to piss us, right? And Soviet Union used to be a really large country, right? And, and uh, whether it was efficient, it's better, whether its economy was efficient or not, it's a it's, it's, uh, different question, but it sort of worked somehow, right? So there were uh, connections between different re- former republics of Soviet Union, uh, uh, you know, goods were uh, transported from one place to another. And, you know, we had electricity, we had hot water, we had some kind of, you know, groceries in the stores. I mean, the quality and, and the variety, uh, uh, it, it, again, it's, it's a different story, but it still sort of worked. And then all of a sudden, 1992 happens, and, and there are lines for milk and bread, two hours lines for milk and bread. And Moscow has had been always provided much better for than the rest of the country. So that was the situation in Moscow. The situation in other regions were, was was uh, uh, much worse. And uh, there is this profound sense of uncertainty, right? Because, okay, so communism fell to pieces, but it's unclear what's next, right? It's unclear. So people get education. What for? Where are you going? Where are they going to work? What's going to happen? And um, to me, and, and, I, and I put it in, including in the book, so it was just one day when I came out of subway station in, in the middle of Moscow, and it's a very beautiful place, and Moscow is on the hill, so that subway station is on one hill, and I can see the, the avenue, very large avenue, four lanes in each direction uh, going to the next hill, and the pedestrian space is very large, and it's entirely filled with people. People that were buying and selling stuff from fur coats to condoms and everything in between. <laughs> and in that moment, I had this feeling I had to get out of there. It, it, I, I couldn't see myself in that, right? And historically, 1992 was one of the lowest points in, in, in post-socialist, post-Soviet history. Um, things changed and, and improved and got more complicated. But it, it, that was that moment in which I no longer could see my future in that country. Hmm. Wow, that, wow, that that's, that's... Uh, incredible, really. I mean, to think about your like a teen who's going through and, and sort of seeing this history, um, and then having that realization that this this isn't going to be this isn't for you, or you can't really survive in this, or you don't want to maybe uh, continue in this. But but then you you know you make the move to uh, Israel and and I and I you said you you said you're Jewish but can you talk about the the cultural difficulties and the maybe if you had linguistic difficulties uh, moving over to a new society what what was that like the education how was that different can you get into some of those things so in Soviet school I learned French is a foreign language. And so after realizing that I no longer desire to live in Russia, I thought about what I'm going to do. And the first thing I did, I went to learn English. I I started uh, uh, English classes. It's very interesting and I think very symbolic. What do you want? What do you do when you want to change your life forever? You you study English. Um, Ten years of French helped me um, to kind of get on up to speed with English. I had essentially only nine months of formal instruction of English. That was the year, my my last essential year in Russia. Uh, The fact that I was Jewish allowed me to immigrate to Israel pretty quickly. Israel has many different programs for um, uh, Jewish 
people who are interested in, in moving to Israel. And at the time, the program I was uh, on a really targeted young people who wanted to continue the education in Israeli universities. So um, I went to the Israeli Cultural Center. I watched a short video about um, top Israeli universities. And that short video um, kind of solidified my idea that I just leave everything behind and I just go to Jerusalem to study in Hebrew University and I will study sociology. Because when you're 19 years old, that's how life works, right? You just decide and you don't know the language, you don't know anybody in that country, but that's okay, right? I will do it now, right? I mean, what I could do uh, so many years ago, I don't think I'm, I'm, I, I can, uh, I'm, I'm certain I wouldn't be able to make those changes or, or even on much a smaller scale today. So I uh, came to Israel with zero Hebrew, zero. I, I learned the alphabet, that, wow. that, that's all I, I, yeah. I knew. And my nine months old English, and it was January 1993, and I decided that I'm studying sociology starting full semester in 1993. Because again, I was by that time I was 20 years old, but still that sort of works, right? You're 20 and, and, and you can do anything. Mm. Um, Israel is very good in teaching Hebrew very quickly, and Hebrew is also a fairly logical language that is not that hard to learn after you get over this sort of alphabet and, and writing in a different direction, and after you sort of get get over your first culture shock, right, that language works completely differently from, let's say, French, English, or Russian, for that matter, um, then, then then it's much easier. But it, it, it was really, you know, there's this Israeli term chutzpah, right? I think I had tons of chutzpah, right? Because I wouldn't recommend anybody to study sociology in the language that you learn for nine months, essentially. But I did that. Uh, I got to Hebrew University, and um, my grades weren't that high in the first year, and um, I probably missed a lot of material that that's why I had to do my PhD, essentially, in sociology, probably, you know, filling in some gaps that um, stayed there from my freshman year. But it was fun experience. It was difficult. Um, I think you ask a very good question. Educationally, it's a very different system. Soviet system, uh, really, you, you learn the material and you spit it back at your teachers, mostly during oral examinations. That's how Soviet education worked. And, and I was fairly good at that. And I'm coming to Israel and uh, all exams are written. And most exams from the very early years in undergraduate require critical thinking, mm. require synthesis, require taking ideas from one place and applying it on another. And that was another culture shock, right? Because I had no experience with that. And um, it, it was very difficult. It was very difficult. My undergraduate, my three years of undergraduate in Hebrew University were very challenging years because I had to kind of rewind my, 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 my learning my, my whole learning process. It was worth it because I really was interested in what I was studying and uh, Hebrew University is amazing. And um, so that, that worked. At the end, it worked. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you were able to overcome that. Uh, that alone, I think, is, is an inspiring story to a lot of people. Me, I'm studying uh, another language as well. So hearing that you you know, in nine months, we're able to uh, take on an academic subject of sociology after uh, nine months of English. That, that's very impressive. So 
in English and Hebrew. So Hebrew. Hebrew University, the instruction is in Hebrew. Most of the literature is in English. So I had my nine, so, nine months old Hebrew and about nine months old uh, English in terms of formal instruction. I had to apply it. But just to be fair, I learned French for 10 years. I don't speak French. Okay. Right? So until you really need the language and need your language for university studies, you don't really know it. Right. So okay. don't feel bad about right. it. Right, yeah. If you go to the country, then you will, you will learn it. But you Give some inspiration to, to the to the listeners. Thank thank you for that. Um, if we could though, you you, you sort of I think uh, you know you, you graduate college, you um, sort of come into yourself as an adult. Uh, do you sort of have the idea that sociology is or education is something that you're going to pursue? Um, how how did that sort of crystallize in in this in this period maybe after college? Uh, I think it. It happened all very quickly. You know, big things happened very quickly for me for some reason. I got a glimpse of sociology in Russia. And interestingly enough, the secretary of the Communist Party of the Institute where I was studying actually taught introduction to sociology for us in this in my last semester in Moscow. And I, I kind of got this feeling, the sense that, well, that's really interesting. So when I was looking at the programs in Hebrew University, I really wanted to study sociology. And I fell in love with sociology. I loved it uh, right away because it sort of gives you this this opportunity to, to bring together so many different things, right? You're looking in time and place, you, you're putting anything that happens to individuals or groups of individuals in the context of time and place. And also uh, you, you're bringing together the, the political and cultural and economic and um, uh, social circumstances. So that was very appealing. Education, I actually wasn't planning to study at all. In fact, during my undergraduate, I thought that I would do cultural studies or sociology of fashion. I was interested in how people use different um, uh, objects and clothes or you know, jewelry, accessories, homes uh, uh, to, to signify the social boundaries, uh, social belonging. Um, and so when I started my master's in sociology, my uh, advisor asked me if I've ever took any class in education. And I quite honestly said, well, it sounds so boring. <laughs> and, and he said, well, but you have to try and, and take this particular class of, of a professor, Ruben Kana. Uh, he, he passed away the year after I came to the States. And, and it was very interesting. And in fact, it was very, it, it wasn't boring at all. And, and uh, soon enough, I was doing sociology education in, 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 uh, in the context of my master's, pursuing my master's degree. And at the same time, I started working in the uh, Institute of Human Development in Jerusalem, in the department, in the center of children and youth. So I could use some of my sort of theoretical knowledge in, in practice, and I ended up working there for five years while pursuing my master's degree. Um, so, so it all came together. So by the time I was done with my master's, I really knew that I want to pursue PhD in sociology, and I will be doing sociology education for the rest of my life, pretty sure. much. Sure. Uh, if you could, then, then maybe tell us about because you you know you knew you wanted to go and and get a PhD. Uh, what, why then jump to the United States? Uh, what was attractive about that um, for you as someone who sort of had already made one, one jump? Uh, what, what was sort of your mindset and what, what were you looking for, I suppose? That's a great question. Because I got my undergraduate and master's degree from the same university, I kind of knew that I don't want to do 
yet another degree in 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 other uh, in in the same university. And my advisor, Aaron Benavot, um, really we had this conversation, and I. I thought to go abroad somewhere, and I actually was thinking about Canada at the time, and so Aaron said, well, if you really want to do PhD in, in, in social education, that's what you want to do, you probably should go to the States, that, that's where sort of the, the, the that, that would open all the doors for you, give you all, all the sort of opportunities, and, and he was right, and uh, he's been my advisor, we, we know each other for 21 years, and I'm, I'm still listening to his advice, he's an amazing mentor. And, and uh, I, uh, I, I first had doubts that I would be able to, um, uh, you know, to, to get accepted to those programs because, again, it's very hard when, when you live here, it's, it's very hard to understand the, the, the distance, the mental distance. So the mental distance between Russia and Israel was, was like a distance between two planets. But me, with my sort of Russian in a way, mindset, right? I, you know, I still spent 20 years in Soviet Union, and then living these years in Israel. America was a galaxy way. It, right. it, I mean, it's it's not. You don't think about it as, as you think about the transition uh, nowadays, right? Because I mean, uh, we came here 13 years ago. So to me, it, it was really going to a different galaxy. So 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 I've never visited America. I, I've heard a lot, obviously. Uh, I've read American sociologists' work uh, during my studies in Hebrew University, but I, I really thought that uh, I was convinced that well if Aaron says I probably should do that but I'm, I, what what are the chances how, how would I be able to be accepted and and, and, and come to the states uh, but Aaron insisted that I will take the GRE and TOEFL and and so I it's, it's interesting right it's the sort sets of the exams on the sort language to enter sort educational system right, right? right. Uh, but, but it just all happened. It, it just all happened, and it all came together. And um, I wanted by that by the time I was applying for schools, I really knew that I wanted to work with George Farkas, um, who just moved to Penn State a couple of years before uh, um, I came here, and I knew his work and and his. Another amazing mentor. I really have a huge lack in my life for people and, and for mentors in particular. And so that was just fantastic experience. Five years as, as, as a doctoral studies were absolutely worth it. Yeah, fantastic. And and if I could, you know, I, I hear this sometimes from uh, non Americans that, especially who've had experience in a third country. Um, when they come to America, it, it almost seems more alien than than anything else that they've experienced. So I'm wondering if if you if you had that kind of experience as well. Um, and then just to follow up, maybe on on so jumping off of the previous question about the Israeli difference between Soviet education. Um, when you came to America, did did you find it familiar um, education wise? Yes, actually, I mean it was the education. What was was less shocking, not shocking at all, because Israeli universities, to a great degree, are have been conceived following um, sort of the Western example, and there, there are such huge ties between Israeli academia and American academia. And being under, being an undergraduate in in Israel, I already was reading uh, um, articles from the top American sociological journals. Right. Um, so all of the skills that I've acquired in Israel uh, were proved very useful here. And uh, doctoral studies are just 
challenging in the in its own right for anybody right. you know that it's not really the matter of the language or of the country um I, I think it was uh you know i I've, I've read in english for by that time for quite a few years but i've never uh i've never written anything in english and my speaking skills were limited to whatever opportunities to speak english i had up to that point uh but i think within a year or two it sort of kind of smoothed out those differences and um educationally i felt very comfortable and again i you know in my and I, I make it very clear in the book um because i sort of my chapters is you know russia and then israel then i call the sort part my america because america is a very large very diverse country and i can account for the entire united the united states but sort of my experience of my america and uh, has been absolutely magical because I came to state college where Penn State University is and I absolutely fell in love. I mean, there's no other way to describe it because that was very different from anything I knew before, right? I lived in Moscow, which is a large city. It's a capital. Jerusalem is a, you know, it's a large city. It's a capital much smaller than Moscow, but still, uh, you know, there's traffic, there's, you know, the, the distances. It takes forever to go from one place to another. And uh, especially my Israeli years were quite terrible years that were the those were the years of a lot of unrest and in and, and terrorism and bombing and, and bus explosion so it, it, it was very very stressful and then we land the, in this in the middle of of this green peaceful colorful right. place that I didn't know existed on earth like the American University towns is an invention of, of its own right it's probably right. not an, not an invention completely but I mean I've never experienced anything quite like that and and so that was wonderful because it was it was all of a sudden peaceful and quiet and and still really really good you know that it's mm-hmm. big small place attracts amazing people from all around the world uh both in terms of uh faculty and in and, and students so it, it really worked very well i mean it was very stressful for all kinds of other reasons because we came to the states uh just um 10 months after september 11 and um i i, I talk about it in the book uh, you know all the completely in complete insanity with the paperwork and in issuing a working visa for for my husband uh that there was a, many many difficulties many many difficulties but educationally it was a great and still is is a professional is, is a great experience for for us yeah that's fantastic well we're, we're kind of coming winding down to the end i know we had to skip over a lot of stuff it's impossible to sort of put everything into into the podcast but that's why you know people people should check out the book but but i I wanted to ask um, about your uh, one thing that you mentioned in the final chapter uh, and, and your quote, why immigration makes you a better sociologist. So um, if we could, maybe can you get into a, that a little bit um, in, in the last couple minutes of wrapping up? Um, and, and if you could tell us also uh, just one thing that you want us to take away uh, from, from this book and from your experience. Right, I'll try. I think I um, immigration in, inserts this dimension into sociological inquiry. If, if I just said sociological inquiry always takes into account the dimension of time and place. And in immigration inserts another d- dimension of transition. And so 
to be a sociologist effectively, you need to step back, right? You need to kind of give up on your taking for granted millions and zillions of taking for granted assumptions and, 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 and question them, right? And once once you, you, you're doing the immigration, in my case, doing it twice, uh, you do it very easily, right? You're stepping back and everything is a question mark because there is nothing that is absolutely given, right? Everything is social and culturally constructed. So I think it helped me a lot in, in my work and also in particular education because uh, education is, is very uh, uh, much embedded in the context of the country and the system it, 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 it occurs, right? Um, so I, I think that was really a plus for me. So all these experiences uh, were really uh, positive. And uh, I take away, I think, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's very much a cliche, right? So on the personal level, I think it's, it's definitely uh, people should make their own choices and, and question and, and apply critical thinking on their own assumptions about anything, about what life is, about what does it mean to be a woman, uh, what does it, does it mean to have a family. And I'm talking in my book about parenting and family and women and, and education. Um, and another sort of, I think, the message that happened to me and I illustrated with my experience is that education is a very powerful vehicle and channel of change, right? Because it, it brought my grandmothers to uh, universities, um, uh, first-generation day families. It, it brought me uh, to two different continents, right? But professionally, I think what my, the message of my book is really how we can see the large social forces and large social structures shaping individual biographies. Essentially, that's, that I think my, my entire book, it's, it's the illustration of that exact point. Sure. And if... Is, if I could, um, maybe just close us off with uh, this sort of last quote, which I think is really encapsulating. Uh, I'm a human being. I'm a woman, a mother, a wife, a friend, a daughter, a colleague. I'm a sociologist, an educator, a scholar. I'm Russian. I'm Jewish. I'm Israeli. I'm American. I'm just me. I'm Katerina. I think that's a, just a, a fantastic line, which is which it sort of uh, close the book with or it's towards the end of the book. Um, and, and I just want to thank everyone. I think you should check out the book. I think you, you can get this personal experience, but then with this sort of, I have a sociologist, I have an ed educator, um, fantastic narrative. So uh, everyone check out Across Three Continents, Reflections on Immigration, Education, and Personal Survival. And I just want to thank the author, Dr. Katerina Borovoski, for joining me today. Um, and to everyone out there. Thank you so much. Thank you.